Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. This is Marshall Fant with GFA Missions. Welcome back to ReChurch. Glad to have you. I want to thank GFA for sponsoring ReChurch. We do just realize it's commercial free, so that's a blessing in some ways, I guess. And got a special guest this morning, Ben Farrell. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you. Yeah, glad to have you. So before we even get started, uh, all transparency to our listeners and watchers, okay? Uh, ben is uh, sister Becky is married to our middle son, Joe. Okay, so uh, Ben and I, h- however, that puts us in family relations. You figure that out. But just so people know that, so this is a, a really a podcast that was requested by a listener, Ben. And so the, the request was, okay, uh, Marsh, would you please address the evangelist? Uh, a lot of churches have have you always used evangelists and maybe have weaned away from that? And and so the reason I wanted to interview Ben, so obviously um, most of you know Ben, very popular, and, and his dad was in evangelism forever and very well known. So Tom and Regina travel the country with their three children, Beth and Ben and Becky, and of course Tom's with the Lord now. And so Ben has transitioned into the pastorate. You've been pastor now, Ben, how long? We came here in August of 2019. Okay, so tell everybody where you are. I'm in uh, Lexington, North Carolina at the Reedy Creek Baptist Church. In Lexington, North Carolina is a very famous place for barbecue. For barbecue, that's, that's right. Where? We have Lexington-style barbecue. Yeah, so if you go see Brother Ben at his church, you, maybe maybe you can treat him to good. He'll show you some good barbecue places to We've go. So a few you, options yeah, here. So now you've been there how long, Ben? So two, two and a half years. Okay. And uh, married to Tara and yeah. two, two children. Yes, this will be our 20th anniversary for, wow. for marriage, Tara and I, this year. And then we have two children. Our son Clayton is 15, gaining on 16 real fast. Wow. And then uh, our daughter Chloe is 10. So I've got a, a teenager and one that's a teenager, I guess. Uh, yeah, great kids. Appreciate. And again, obviously, uh, for our listeners, I've, I've seen the Farrell family up close and personal, as well as uh, Ben and his dad have both uh, preached at our church together and separately. So yeah. uh, we've been partners in ministry um, in, in for a long time. And so when the topic came up, again, Ben now being a pastor, I wanted to really uh, ask him some questions. So Ben, thanks again for, for our time. So let's just get into it. So uh, ben, you, you've, there's always, there's a lot of discussion, you know, with young guys uh, getting out of the evangelist role of the evangelist. So mm-hmm. let's talk to pastors. So why, from your view, should a church continue to use evangelists either annually, biannually, you know, every three years? So give us your view on that, your burden. So the burden of the sure. evangelist. So lay on our hearts what your burden is. Well, I think, I think it comes back to a scriptural office, a gift from God to the church to be utilized. Okay, Ephesians so, 4. Ephesians 4. Um, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, all of that working together for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So I think, first of all, understanding that 
the evangelist is a scriptural office. Obviously, we understand the apostles and prophets were foundational gifts for the church being established and moving forward. No more apostles, those that have seen the right. resurrected Savior. No more prophets necessarily with giving special revelation from, from God. But there are still continuing gifts to the church. The pastor-teacher office, we certainly understand and are grateful for the opportunity to uh, minister in that realm. I've also worn the, the hat of an evangelist in, in past years and still do some of that. I think it's interesting that, that Paul would even tell Timothy, who was pastoring at the time, do the work mm-hmm. of an evangelist. Uh, so this is certainly a, a God-given gift, and there are those that God uniquely gifts to be pastor-teachers, to minister to the church that way, and there are those that he uniquely gifts uh, in the area of evangelism as well. So in my mind, to not utilize the gift of the evangelist uh, within the local church is to miss out on one of God's good gifts to the church. All right, So, and, but listen, for those who are skeptics. Okay. I, I know you sure. and you've always been a member of a church. So you don't even, yeah. so really the way I always view the way you've explained it. So you're operating under the authority of a church and going to minister to other local churches, right? You're not yeah. separating and coming. I know, uh, there, there were years ago an evangelist who thought the office of the evangelist was over the pastor. Okay. Because it was listed first before pastor yeah, okay, teaching. Right. But that was not first in order of uh so but but I know your your conviction is to operate through and under the authority of a local church. Correct? Yes, it is it is a it's a gift to the local church. So um we've always been a member of a local church. That's right. been our hub. We're accountable to the uh ministry there, but not just out as a, a maverick doing our go. own thing, but certainly right. Um, bringing ourselves underneath the authority of the local church and then seeking to minister to other local churches. All right. And there, so in, go ahead. In scripture, there's, there's one man that's listed with the title yeah. evangelist mm-hmm. and that's Philip. Mm-hmm. And of course he began as a deacon right. uh, out, of, out of the early church in Jerusalem. And so the qualifications there for, for his office would have gone right along with that of, of, of the deacon and certainly uh, a pastor as well. But we see him being used of God, being sent to different locations to ministries in Samaria and they're having a great meeting. People are getting saved. And then God has a special assignment for him down in, in Gaza, right? A one man to, to share Christ with. And who knows how God used that to open up um, even Africa to the gospel. And then we see him passing through as acts eight says uh, he's found in Azotus and he passing through the, he's preaching in all the cities until he comes to Caesarea, which is where uh, Paul ends up in his home there. And is, he's called Philip the, uh, evangelist. So there's, right. there's an itinerant part of, of his ministry that we right. can see. All right. So that. now uh, with, with, uh, and again, I know your convictions to work under and through local churches. Okay. Yes. Obviously I'm not saying you can't preach at a camp. We all benefit from that. I'm, uh, that's not what I'm saying, but what I yeah. am saying theologically, the umbrella of authority is the local church. Uh, and I know that, that we, as, as, as I, as a pastor kind of limited the evangelists that I work with because I wanted to make sure our church philosophy lined up with the evangelist philosophy. Sure. And I'm not knocking those we didn't work with. So, I mean, you know, we're, we're, I'm friends with a lot of evangelists. So please, if you're listening, you're an evangelist, don't take that the wrong way if we didn't host you. But what I'm saying is we, so, uh, so where I'm trying to go is all right, the partnership of an evangelist with a church. All right. So mm-hmm. Ben, as, so let's put on your pastor's hat right now. All right, so let's shift gears. Ben Farrell, the pastor, 
if you're having an evangelist to come into your church, okay, what what's, what would be some of the discussions that you advise a pastor to have an, as an evangelist? So right now, your pastor hat, all right, what, what would be some of those discussions to make sure y'all are on the same page? I think usually you're bringing in somebody that, that you know uh, right. in, in some state or form there, whether it's because right. you've checked out their, their website and listened to them preach online. Right, but let's say this, because there are fewer, but there are fewer and fewer evangelists. Yes. Okay, so let's say, um, you know, okay, he, hasn't, he doesn't know this evangelist. He's never right. even heard him preach at a camp. Yeah. Okay, now most of us pastors, that's where we get exposed to evangelists, camps and, and right. just through connections, okay? But because it's more limited now, and at least this is what I hear from pastors, okay, I, I, so let's go back to that. So let's say they don't know them as well, okay? I okay. hope they do, but let's say they don't. So how, if I'm a pastor, how, all right, so let me, let me switch gears. All right, you're the evangelist, I'm the pastor, and I call you. All right, so Ben, what would be some questions as the evangelist you would ask me as a pastor to see if we're a good fit? Well, I'm, I'd be asking what your heart would be for the meeting okay. uh, if you're looking if you're looking for an evangelistic emphasis, right? You know, really just gospel preaching, okay. trying to stop the pond nightly with with guests that are there, uh, or if it's more of a revival focus or special meetings that you're really just wanting to see God's people stirred. Um, in spiritual growth aspects. So, you know, I've, I've tried to tailor that to the needs of the church okay. um, and, and what the pastor's heart is for that. So I would certainly want to be getting your. Oh yeah. So that's, that's the first. All right. So why, why are we having the meetings? Right. Good. Right. Okay. So what would be, so where would that go from there? What other, to make sure that you as an evangelist are lining up with a church uh, do you talk about, obviously the local church has a translation. Are you comfortable you know, what translation would, the, would you be preaching from? What is the what is the way? What do we need to do prepared for either invitations or how the follow-up, right? right? So what else would you? Um, yeah, often after, most evangelists I know had a, like a, a planning packet that they, they do. would send to the, to the pastor just to say, here's some recommendations, some suggestions. You know, you're not tied to these, but here's some things we found that are helpful and effective and you know, how to, how to anticipate the meeting, how to plan for the meeting, some special nights that you may want to do. And every church was different. Some of them said that doesn't work well for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, others said we, you know, we'd be glad to, to, to do this. They knew what worked best for their calendar. They knew their people. Right. I think sometimes, you know, if, if I'm switching back to my pastor hat, I, sure. I am, as I, I understand our people and the kind of the culture of our church, there are some men, I, I'm privileged to know a number of different uh, evangelists from our paths crossing over the years. And there are some that I think are a better fit for our church than others. Um, Dad used to say evangelists are like restaurants or some you like, some you don't. So, I mean, you have, <laughs> you know, you are glad there are some, some options out there. Yeah. And he would talk to his evangelist friends and there were certain yeah. pool of churches that they would overlap in ministering in. And then there were others that would, would have totally him different. that wouldn't have yeah. somebody else and others that would have somebody else that wouldn't have him. But and I think that's the beauty of being an independent Baptist church or, you yeah. know, having but what I'm trying to say, there, so there, but there needs to be this discussion, yeah. right? Otherwise, you're going to have a, a, either a frustrated evangelist or a frustrated pastor, because the pastor is setting aside a week or a, a series of nights, and you know. Yeah. And one thing I've learned, so I never. So when I was a pastor, you know, you got regular life you're doing plus the nightly meetings, 
Right. All right. So when, then when we started doing more traveling, now all we have is the nightly meetings and not the pressures of the day. It's two different worlds. Sure. And if the evangelist doesn't understand the church life and the yes. church life doesn't understand the pastor's life, we probably won't have a conflict. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's why it's advisable and helpful for even those that are looking to go into evangelism to to serve in a local church in some capacity to see the the background. I mean, mm-hmm. when we traveled, often the meetings were the highlight of the church calendar for the year, and right. you're just bouncing from from pinnacle to pinnacle on on church to church, not understanding what happens the other fifty one weeks out of the year, right? And and how they're down in the trenches and the day to day things that are going on there. So having the opportunity of serving uh, on a pastoral staff or even being a staff evangelist where if they're not having meetings, they're there and they can get involved in one way or the other to see what a pastor is, is, is dealing with on a, on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis and uh, the special needs there. I think it gives the evangelist an even greater heart for the church and, and the pastor. I know we traveled for, I grew up on the road and then, uh, we launched serving alongside of dad uh, on in meetings with youth and kids and yeah. and music. And then along the way, I was invited onto a, a church staff to oversee outreach and discipleship. And my heart was, yeah, I think this would be good for our family. I think it would, it would be a benefit to me as, as a minister, whether the Lord has us back full-time on the road, I'm going to be a, a, a greater asset to the church because of the experience right. or if the Lord, you know, kind of renavigates our, our course there, which is where we're at now pastoring. Um, but it certainly gives you a, a, a better understanding of what's going on week by week. So yeah, there's, uh, there's conversations that go on there. I think um, at, at the start, sometimes one of the things I might suggest if, if it's works in the evangelist and the schedule as well as the, the church, yeah. maybe have him in for an introductory Sunday wow. prior to a full week of meetings. Right. Obviously. Um, like sometime in advance, you mean? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that gives you a chance to get to know him. Your people are introduced to him. So when he does come for a, for a week, they're going, yeah. I, I remember him. I've heard sure. him preach. Obviously he handled the word of God. Well, he was right. clear in giving the gospel. So I'm going to, I'm willing to put a relationship I've got with a coworker on the line to get them under the, yeah. under the ministry of yeah. the preaching of God's word. And I'm glad you said that because, you know, the relationship for, for our church people to invite their neighbors, friends, families, they are putting relationships on the line. Yeah. And so when they do so, I think the kind of evangelists that any church wants to have in, they're aware of that. You still got to preach the word. Okay. I'm not saying back down, but you also must understand that people are putting relationships on the line. All yeah, right, so- it, it, my perspective is um, in pastoring has changed on that some too. There, mm. There's enough evangelists in me that when there are lost people there, you want to immediately go for the jugular. You know, it's, right. this is now is the time they need to be saved. And that's certainly uh, an important thing, but how, how many people trusted Christ the very first time they heard the gospel? Yeah. I'm not saying that God can certainly do that. Sure. Uh, when we praise the Lord, when he does, but many times what's happening is they, somebody else has planted, somebody else has watered. Right. And the neat thing about evangelism was it was harvest time often when you walked in the door, but there was a right. lot of things that had gone on in, in past. Sure. You know, that, that, that church member had been, praying for that individual. They'd been witnessing to that individual the best that they could. And, 
And now they say, okay, I, I want this person to hear a clear gospel message. Right. So I'm going to get them there on, you know, whatever night of the meeting. So I learned from dad, um, he, they, they would tease, he was double barrel feral. Mm-hmm. And I think that was not just his intensity in preaching, but he would, he would preach to the, to the believers as right. well as to the lost in every sermon. So I would make a promise to the church people up front. Sometimes you'd have a combined Sunday school just to kind of lay the uh, groundwork for the week and say, I'll make this promise to you any, any night this week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, we're going through Wednesday or Friday. You have a guest here. The gospel will be presented clearly in every single message. All right. So let me ask you this from, again, your evangelist perspective. What, what is the most effective way? All right. So they're, they're different. They're different ways churches can can this way recruit unsaved yes. or invite unsaved yeah banquets right like sporting banquets ladies tea where your wife can speak what 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 have you found really um i know the, and there's one evangelist that specializes like in sports outreach and they do yeah. a great job we've used them all but from your perspective to tell a pastor what did you really find the most effective to get unsaved was it a banquet? Was it a a um, was it like a noon meal, an evening meal? Mm-hmm. What what did you find, Ben? You know, I think that just depended on the church and the people and okay. and what you know what they had developed in their culture. There were some churches that it was just natural for them to invite people to a church service. So you could yeah. have you could hold just your you know your revival evangelistic services, and there were going to be unsaved there, or they were going to have a friend day. Uh, on that Sunday to kick things off. And they yeah, were you know, the lunch and all that afterwards. Yeah. 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 Really yeah. stocking the pond with getting people there. Others yeah. have, have gone to what we might call event evangelism, which is right. what you were talking about. Yeah. So they might on Monday night, it might be men's night. Yeah. And so the, the ladies and the kids are, are home. The men are coming in and they're inviting their coworkers and their, their friends. And they're going to do a, uh, a stakeout or they're going to do a wild game dinner or, or whatever. Something they, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's not necessarily a church service, but it's it's a chance for them to interact with the church people and then to have a time set aside where the gospel is clearly given. And that's been very effective. And, you know, they might do a ladies night yeah, and they're sure. coming in for a ladies tea or, yeah. you know, all things chocolate or whatever. But it's same same idea. And then again, the gospel is given. I know some evangelist wives that are comfortable doing that mm-hmm. and others where, you know, no, the evangelist not. himself does that. Yeah. Um, at the end of that. And then for the teens, then they'd have a teen outreach. So whether it's a dodgeball tournament or we used to do coffee wars or Mm -hmm. cola wars, you know, those kind of things, Mm -hmm. Um, those can certainly be very effective, uh, what you might call event evangelism in in the week there. Okay. So let's shift gears. We've got a few more minutes here. So let's talk about the personal life of an evangelist. Okay. So right now I want you to talk to the churches. I want you to talk to young men that may be thinking about, uh, you know, being in evangelism, mm-hmm. what are some unique family challenges? Cause you grew up on the road. Okay. Yeah. So what, what, how can we pray? All right. Let, first, not COVID. Okay. The normal, the normal life cycle of the church. What sure. would be some specific ways that again, from your life, your background, what would be some specific ways we can pray for the evangelist family? All right. First, so let me just hit some things with you. First, finances. All right. So finances, uh, when a church ministers to an evangelist, obviously they're coming at a love offering. 
Yeah. Uh, how many churches support um, evangelists on a monthly basis? Do you know? Just to help offset the peaks and valleys. How many? I, I I'm not sure. I mean, we when we were on the road full time, we had several that were yeah okay gracious to take us on. I I, I know you know the one familiar with with Dad's ministry had some individuals that would support his ministry, some churches that would support his ministry on a, on a monthly basis. But so that's the way, one way you could help, right? This monthly support to an evangelist. Okay. Certainly. If, if uh, maybe you've had that man in and the Lord has used him in that church and you say, we we want to to have a partnership with you and in, and so, that, and of course well, evangelist often is giving away weeks of, of the year to go to the mission field. And, and that's, or to small churches. Or to real it small churches. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. they're not, um, the missionaries in the mission field can't right. bring in a love offering that's going to keep him supported. So, right. Um, what about the, happen. what about specific family? How, talk to us about how to pray for children of evangelists. You are one, you have some. So, what would be some specific? Just yes. pull back the curtain. I mean, not too, spe- I mean, I'm not, we'll, we'll keep it general. Well, but, you know, you, by necessity, you're homeschooling. Um, okay. So, they're, there are pros and cons to, to, to everything that you're doing there. What God calls you to do, he gives you the grace to do. Right. I didn't know anything really any different. I had appreciated where there were many things I didn't get to be involved in. I enjoyed sports growing up. Obviously didn't have a chance to play on a lot of uh, team sports because we were on the road, but we'd go to a church that had a Christian school and they'd be kind to invite you and say, Hey, come out for practice. I'd go practice soccer, basketball. And if it wasn't a, conference game or something they might throw a jersey on you and say you know we got a friday afternoon game you know i didn't know any guys names on the team hardly but I, i'm up there playing with them um i you know that that met a need there my my dad also worked hard um to allow us to have some outside opportunities with christian school education as well we we, we did homeschool but uh, when i was going into seventh grade we moved from the wilds where he served as the staff evangelist out to Kansas city mm. and the church ministry there had a Christian school. And that first year he wanted us to be able to develop some relationships with the other kids, our age. So he traveled in and out really yeah. on his own that year and allowed us to stay put. So um, there may be that I, season, right? Where evangelists yeah. needs to do that. Yeah. yeah. And the church yeah. needs to. So, all right. So what about, um, all right, so with the kids, but I also know your dad took an interest. He made sure, like I know golf is what he did with you. So yes, evangelists, was, they need to develop something with their kids, right? For sure. Yeah, I think yeah. There, there were opportunities we didn't get, but there were so many other opportunities that get. we yeah. were able to be a part of that yeah. many other kids didn't. I mean, we, we traveled and saw, saw the country, saw the world, saw the Lord work on a nightly basis, got involved in – you know, music ministry early on, and the Lord's allowed us to continue to use that in, in different aspects there. Um, children's ministries, uh, now we're part of what? what's going on with Patch and things, so it's just interesting how God weaves all that together. Did you find it hard with your children to bring them off the road, and, and put, did they, how did they adjust? I mean, not again, not getting too personal, but really, so, so speak to our young evangelists. When you came off the road and became an outreach pastor, uh, was it hard for your kids to get assimilated into one church, one place, not traveling, or was that pretty they, easy? They, they pretty did quite flexible. well. They were they were still young at the time. Okay. Um, our son would have been going into let's see, I think he was going into second grade. Okay. Um, so we had just done you know the first little bit of, of homeschooling. Our daughter was two or three. Right. Okay. Um, she really doesn't have much recollection of 
years on the road. Our son certainly does. Mm-hmm. He has wonderful memories of that and talks about it um, frequently. But you know, they they plugged in uh, quite well and uh, were able to develop friendships and relationships and and uh, move forward in their in their education there. But certainly the that that aspect of it, and I know the evangelist's wife is involved in 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 helping with that. I remember a friend of mine growing up, we, we went out and he, he, uh, he asked my mother, so Mrs. Farrell, what does an evangelist wife do all day? He was, <laughs> was curious about that. And she just kind of laughed. Chuckled, but of course yes. she's, she was helping at the time yeah. with all of our, our homeschool education. And then you've got nightly services often you're um, eating lunch with the pastor or a pastoral staff member or people in the church. So your, your time gets and occupied. you and everything else. Just yeah, fa- family stuff. Yeah, we work second shift. Yeah, it was kind of the way it, it you know it operated there. Um, in the evenings were your peak time for right. for ministry and such. But yeah, yeah. So all right, so there's got to be flexibility there. Okay. So all right, last last key question to ask, and this is one reason I want to interview you. All right. So now, as a pastor, now you're a senior pastor. You outreach pastor at a church. Now you're senior pastor. What do you see differently now as a pastor than you saw as a young evangelist traveling and growing up on the road? What what do you see differently? As far as, as evangelism and the, and the ministry of that? Everything. Or just ministry as, as a ministry whole. Ministry as a, in relationship to an evangelist. All right. Sure. Oh, sure. So what well, do you see differently now? Yeah, some, some would tease the evangelist blows in, blows up, and blows out. Yes, your dad and, would tell me that. Yeah, they kind of love you today, leave you tomorrow, you know, and he would tease about that. I know, I know, I know. If you knew dad well enough, he he loved people, and he had a special heart for, for pastors. He did. Um, so I, I think, you know, as you're, the longer you're in ministry and more aspects you get to see of that, um, the heart and development of, of relationships with um, the people within the church uh, sometimes you saw them briefly in the evenings. I, I remember um, after serving on pastoral staff for for a bit, I could still you know wear my evangelist hat, and there were certain things that needed to be said. But I remember looking across and going, you know, I just I genuinely love these people, so I'm not trying to tear your head off. I, I want to admonish you scripturally and biblically uh, about things. All right, let me ask you this. Let's go back. Change hats. Um, we had young evangelists come through that had super critical spirits of the church. Okay. Because yeah. they're in church after church, right? So your, your admonition to a young evangelist, not to be a critic in the church where you're serving. Speak for to sure. that. <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, every ministry has its challenges where there's people, there's problems. So I think one of the, one of the key ministries of the evangelist is that of encouragement. There you go. Encouraging God's people, I think if there was ever a need and a time for that, it's now with all that we've been through in the last couple of years yeah. with you know, this pandemic and such. So coming alongside, you're you're an admonisher, uh, an exhorter, but you're also an encourager. Encourager, you're trying to challenge them, but you're also a cheerleader. So when you're seeing, you can look at all the the negatives of things, and if the pastor's asking for some, where are you seeing some blind spots or you know weak spots? Certainly, you can. Um, kindly express that. Oh yeah. But yeah I think yeah, more yeah. often than not just saying, man, I'm, you know, your people are faithful. Your people, right. are, they've been generous and kind. They've been inviting. Um, I can often remember the dad would, 
was very good at, at encouraging and pushing people to, okay, let's get some unsaved people here this week. Right. And then, you know, at the end of the week, he would often ask, how many of you invited somebody who came this week? And, you know, a number of them would raise their hand. How many of you invited somebody that didn't show up this week? 90% of the people would raise yeah. their hand. Yeah. And then he would say, don't stop inviting, you know, have them here. Right. Nothing would thrill me more than to hear Sunday morning, you had guests and your pastor preached and, and souls came into the, into the family of God. So, you know, you're trying to leave with having encouraged and exhorted and, and stirred up the people to, yeah. in, in a good way to move forward serving the Lord. Well, and the only reason I say that, and again, I, I'm, I'm wearing the pastoral hat, was, was you know, and, and y'all had a team, and, and a lot of these guys have teams because they want to train young men, and, and the team helps. But some of the team, young team members who may have an undergrad degree or a fresh master's degree, they're the experts on pastoring. And so I just wanted you to speak to that critical spirit they can come in with. Because again, like you said, every week is a high because you're going from church to church to church and the pastor and his wife are laboring in the mundane. And, and, and I just wanted to, cause I, that was just a bone I wanted to pick with some young guys. So, I got you. There, there, every church ministry has seasons as well. Yeah. So you would, yeah. you would walk in the door. Sometimes you schedule these three or four years in advance. Yeah. Um, and so you may come in in a season where God is just moving and stirring in a great way, or, you know, they, they've made wonderful preparations through prayer and invitation. And honestly, it's just low hanging fruit. And God yeah. gives yeah. you the opportunity of, of, you know, picking that and seeing, seeing fruit that will remain within, within the church. And then there's other times where they're <laughs> plowing straight uphill and you want to come alongside and say, let me jump in the yoke with you this week yeah. and, Amen. and pull that plow some with you. Amen. And I know, um, I, and I would challenge the pastors to get the evangelists involved in your life. I know your dad and I would pray together, yes. you know, before every service or sometime yeah. during the day. And lots of times a pastor just needs somebody to talk to. So I think another yeah. Um, I mean, that's not a part of the office of the evangelist, but when you're talking about it being an encourager, uh, a lot of it, so pastors, another good reason, I think, to bring an evangelist that you trust and love in is so you can sit down and say, hey, you know, Ben, what do you see in my life? Uh, what do you see in our church? Be kind, and I know you are, but, you know, be so an evangelist really can be a kind, gracious friend to a pastor because they get to know the church. And well, I think an evangelist yes. can be trusted, you know. Um, to, Absolutely. To, and often what would what we would see is, you know, you may minister in another church across town, and those two pastors, just because they're, they've got their own ministries and their own world, yeah. things are going on, but they yeah. don't, they haven't necessarily connected. And you're saying, let me put you in contact with so-and-so, because yeah. you guys can go out to lunch and be exactly. a, a great encouragement, a blessing yeah. to each other. So many times it's, it's connecting the dots and... Um, some of those things for people. Okay. So let's get, we can pray for you. So you're still traveling with majesty music, right? Uh, your wife, yes, that's I'm, her family. And so y'all yes. still do special events and you're still doing some evangelism. Yes. Right? Yeah. We're privileged to serve in some camps in the summer times. Um, yep. And you're pastoring Reedy Creek. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and that was, uh, we were upfront about that coming in the door. The man that uh, I, I followed here had been here nearly 50 years mm. and he did some itinerant work. And uh, so the church was familiar with that, and they said we want you to be able to to utilize that gift yep. uh, out and about. So we're, we we try not to be gone too much, but we're thankful yeah. for those opportunities um, to, to plug right. in with other ministries. So let's just wrap it up with this, young men. If you're listening to this and you're debating this, Ben's email address will be in the show notes. 
So you can reach out to Ben and just say, hey, Ben, give me some help here. Would you pray with me? Help me to discern whether I should go into the pastorate, I should go into church planning on the mission field, or or maybe uh, an itinerant evangelist. And so um, I advise you to reach out to Ben because he's been on both sides. He's been on both sides of the equation, and I think would be a great resource uh, for, for men that are going through this to talk through it. Okay, any, Ben, any closing words, last words? You got it. Anything you want to say in closing? Well, I, it, we're partnering together for the cause of Christ. Uh, okay. Those gifts are there, both the evangelist and the pastor teacher, to for the perfecting of the saints, for they can do the work of the ministry. Amen. Amen. So we want to partner together for the glory of God and uh, certainly need one Amen. another even more today than in the past. Always have that need, but Amen. Uh, thankful right. for God's good gifts to the church and what he continues to do to uh, draw people to himself. Amen. Hey, and thanks for taking the time today. I know you're busy. My privilege. Okay. Ben Farrell, um, again, pastor, evangelist, uh, grew up in an evangelist home. Most of you are aware of his family, as well as his wife, uh, grew up in in this public ministry to so many churches. So thanks for your ministry, your wife's ministry, and all you're doing. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. You're listening to ReChurch a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org slash consulting.